Welcome to Motherload, a podcast for ambitious entrepreneurial mothers who are navigating the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful when it comes to the relationship between their desire to succeed and their devotion to motherhood. I'm your host, Lindsay Roselle, a serial entrepreneur, growth and performance coach, and boy mama of two. Each week, I'll bring you solo episodes, engaging interviews, and candid conversations that expand your capacity to do both things well, help you feel less alone, and hopefully bring a little levity to what can otherwise feel like a very heavy load. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to the show. Today is a little mini episode. I'm going to walk you through my dark hour, which is the name I have for my morning practice. I coined that name for it, gosh, a couple of years ago on a call with a mentor at the time. Uh, we were talking about social media content and things that we commonly shared on social media. And if we could expand upon those things. And I, you know, I was like, I don't really, you know, I'm not that consistent on social media, but I do this thing every morning. I've been sharing and I just take a picture of my journal and I kind of share what I insights I had or what I was journaling about that morning. And she was like, you know, could you call that something? Could that be part of a framework that you teach or something? I was like, well, I do it like when it's dark outside, I do it at 4am. So maybe it's the dark hour. And it just hit in that moment that that was the name for it. And I've done it ever since. So it's been basically exactly two years that that practice has been a daily, regular part of my life. And I'm excited to share more about it today. So jumping right in, the dark hour, you'll see it show up on my Instagram stories primarily. And what I share there is typically a picture of my journal and my coffee or tea that morning and kind of a long form story post. I I share it in my stories, but it's usually a long form typed out story that talks through whatever theme came up for me that day in my journaling or Sometimes it's in the thing I'm reading or just what's on my mind, what's happening around me that's kind of spurring me to need to process it through my dark hour. And what you'll see me share is that quote or like that section of text that kind of explains what I'm going through and and what I want to share and then what my dark hour routine actually is. And so today I'm going to walk you through each component of what I include in my dark hour and give you some tips at the end around how to start your own. This is not a prescription that it has to be exactly like mine, (laughs) and it does not have to be an hour long. It does not have to be at 5 a.m., and it doesn't have to include what mine includes, but I do like to share this, and I get a lot of questions on it, so I'm going to do that today. The first thing that I want to do is give you a little bit of background. So this dark hour practice, I've always been somebody that journaled fairly regularly. I've taught yoga for 15 years now and practice yoga, gosh, since I was a teenager. So the yoga and meditation component for me has always been there in my life, not necessarily consistently as a morning practice, but those are all elements that I weren't totally new to me when I developed this habit. And what really spurred me to make it consistent and turn it into a way of getting deeper into my inner work was when RT and I separated exactly two years ago. It was this Halloween weekend on 2020 that he left. And I really was left in the dust of of him leaving us, me and the boys, where my first inclination the next day was like to write him this long letter, rebuking whatever the word is, all the things that he had kind of thrown out at me as the reasons he was leaving. 
And in that moment, I felt like I, you know, I can either text him or call him and kind of fight back, or I can write this letter out. It was to him, but it was really me talking to me and looking at all of the things he had said and what was the truth of those things for me. You know, of course, I wasn't sleeping very well. So that took me, you know, about an hour the first morning after he left. And I realized that this process of writing it all out and really processing what's on my mind by writing really neutralized the emotions that I was feeling. Not that I didn't have a lot of emotion. I did. But it really took the charge out of the immediate intensity of emotion and really let me process what I was feeling neutrally. So in that first day, I was like, okay, this writing, like writing it all out, journaling about it is extremely helpful. So I just kept doing it. And that's how my dark hour started was with just the journaling component every day. And because I was getting up really early, because I was so, you know, I was in this kind of high anxiety, very emotional period where he had left and and I was navigating what that meant for me and the boys. I was just getting up early <laughs> because I couldn't sleep very well. And my kids have always been early risers. So I knew that if I didn't get up at 4, 4.30 to get it done, I wouldn't get that time to myself in the day. So it became this practice that I did in the dark because it was winter in Colorado and it's dark out, you know, until 7 a.m. because of daylight savings. And it's this metaphorical dark hour too in that I was exploring the darkness inside of me, these dark areas of my soul that I didn't like to go to, that I didn't like to look at. And I was doing some excavation there. So the dark hour as a term or like what that means really does both speak to it being part of my morning practice and that's done early in the day before the sun is up and that it's this metaphorical darkness that we are exploring in ourselves, not dark evil, but dark, you know, dusty, uncovered, hidden from the light. That's really what it still is to me. It still is the opportunity for me to go into the parts of me that aren't the funnest places to be and do the work. So it started with journaling. And after I got established for several days in a row of journaling every morning, I realized, you know, there's so many books I want to read about what's going on. I was in therapy. We were in couples therapy. I had this massive awakening around self-love and realizing my Enneagram 3 heart was basically frozen and cold and I didn't know how to access love for myself. And so the first book I started with and that I added into the practice was one called a guided self-love workbook that I recommend to everybody. And I started sharing that as part of the dark hour photo every morning in my story. And that started to get, you know, comments and people noticing the book and asking questions. And I was like, okay, this is helping other people as much as it's helping me. And what that helped me realize was reading something really helped get the juices flowing for journaling. Now my dark hour, I read before I journal to get my brain primed and open. Uh, I don't do it every day. When I do add reading into my dark hour, I'm usually doing that before the journaling component. So I started reading and then I would journal and I was sharing that. And then I realized as I did it more consistently, I really needed to meditate before I read because <laughs> I wasn't getting my meditation time in later in the day through those initial first few months. And I noticed that I needed to kind of get into focus with myself and not wake up and immediately go into scarcity thoughts or, you know, thoughts about RT and what was going on and all the like anxiety. And what I realized was those thoughts would spin me out and I wouldn't be able to focus on myself. I wouldn't be able to do the work on myself. I would start to just ruminate on 
the unknowns and the fear and the pain I was experiencing instead of really being able to apply that time for myself to help myself. So I then added into the dark hour that I would start with meditation. And to this day, I still do that. And honestly, it is very rarely more than five minutes. It's often two minutes or three minutes. And I just go on Insight Timer or Calm or I have every freaking meditation app you can possibly have. And I find something that's just a couple minutes and I listen to the words or I do breath work or something where it just gets my mind into focus, especially because I'm often doing this shortly after waking up. And for me, at least that little bit of meditation helps my brain set an intention that here I'm going to be reverent for this practice. I'm going to sit here and be present and we're going to read a little bit. We're going to let that settle in and then we're going to journal. Those are the first few things I added in that order. I really started with journaling. And to this day, I still think journaling is the non-negotiable practice. And it's the one I recommend the most. And I realized for my personal practice, I like to meditate first and then read a little bit before I journal. And then what started to happen was as I got more and more regimented and consistent with those three things, then I realized, oh, this is also a really good time to plan my day. Because if I've got this time, I'm in a focused mindset I've just kind of unlocked my brain. I've just, you know, got all my thoughts and feelings and all the things I'm processing. I've got all that out into the journal. Now is also a great time to do a little bit of planning for the day and like setting myself up for success. So then I added this practice called open loops and brain dump into the dark hour. And I added a to-do listing and picking the top three things that were going to be priorities that day. Real quick, to-dos and top three, that's pretty clear what those are. It just helped me every morning to sit down and look at my global to-do list and pick the ones that we're going to get done today. And then the top three things that were like non-negotiables, it really helped anchor me into step-by-step productivity, especially through those months where, you know, my emotional state was really rough, like up and down so much while we were separated. And I was doing a lot of inner work and covering things about myself that were really hard to face, things about him that were hard to face, things about the uncertainty of our future that were hard to face. And it would often take me offline from a work standpoint if I didn't have that anchoring of here's the things I have to get done today and here's the top three non-negotiables. So I started to add that in. And then I added this open loops and brain dump thing in because I, I would notice that some of what was starting to come out in the journaling were things that were more like just global open loops, like all the things I was managing in my mental load. And open loops are this idea that It's a thought or something that needs to get done where you've opened the loop in your mind, but you haven't closed the loop. So it's someone you need to reach out to, or it's that thing you wanted to look up or that house thing you need to remember to buy at Lowe's. You know, it was like all these open loops were constantly open in my mind and I wasn't closing loops. So one of the things I still do to this day with the open loops and the brain dump process in, you know, on a daily basis is, is there anything new that just needs out of my head that I thought about yesterday or thought about last night that needs added to my to-do list or an Asana board where I'm tracking it, or (laughs) do I need to send a text message to somebody or add a thing to my calendar? Just whatever open loop thing is in my mind, just get it written down in that morning practice time so that I don't lose it and I don't forget about it. So I added that open loops and brain dumping process. And I added the top three in the to-do list to the dark hour as I went on and became more consistent with the practice. And then the last thing I added was a really intentional gratitude and manifestation practice. And there's a lot of stuff about gratitude journaling. There's a lot of stuff about manifestation work. So I wanted to incorporate those things, but I didn't want to do them as their own like whole separate thing. So what I found worked best for me was at the end of my journaling, 
I would just on the next page in my journal, most days I just do three things I'm grateful for, three things I'm manifesting right now. And some days lately, because I'm just in a stage of a lot more on my mind, a lot more growth happening, new things coming. I've been doing 10 things I'm grateful for and 10 things I'm manifesting. Some of these manifestations are small, short-term things. And some of these are like, I want a top 1% podcast. I, you know, I want, I want to speak on stages in front of 10,000 people. I like big things. And it's also like, here's, you know, the revenue dollars I'm trying to hit for the rest of Q4. So the gratitude and manifestation for me as the last piece that I added into kind of that process, that practice in the mornings really finishes off my journaling practice powerfully. And it gives me a way to kind of kick off the day, <laughs> finishing up with the journaling and the to-do listing, having that gratitude and manifestation like really anchors me in what, I, what I'm appreciating about my life right now and what I'm calling in. And then the last things you'll see show up in my dark hour when I share the stories on social media is I try to always have a gentle movement component, which for me can be a little bit of yoga. It can just be some stretching, some breath work, even just moving around, walking around the house. Some mornings, depending on status with the kids and the time of year, I would go out for a walk. I don't do that in our current state because the kids are kind of waking up at different times now. And so if they were both, when I first started the dark hour and I got through the winter of 2020 and then into the spring of 2021, my children were, were waking up at like 5.30 and in Colorado by June, July, it's warm and bright at 5.30 a.m. So I would do my practice with them awake and just otherwise occupied. And then we would get into the stroller and I would take them on a walk and that would, you know, I would listen to a podcast or something that would kind of round out my practice. These days, it's usually a little bit of yoga, just a little bit of movement in my body. And then I have an intentional like physical exercise component later in my day. So, and then I always say water and coffee because I'm every morning while I do this practice, I try to drink a big glass of lemon water and I usually always have either coffee or tea. So that is the dark hour in a nutshell. I wanted to just run through it because it shows up on my social media a lot and it is a component of all the work that I do with clients and what will be coming into the motherload company in terms of helping you build practices in your life that help you manage the mother load. I hope that it was uh, helpful to learn more about it. And like I said in the beginning, it is not prescriptive and it is not that it has to always look exactly like mine or that it has to be done at 5 a.m. in the actual darkness. It's much more that I encourage you to build an intentional daily practice of some kind with some of the components that I spoke to and whichever ones make the most sense for you and whatever time of day works best for you, that's the practice that is meant to be yours. And I'm here to encourage you, help you, support you in building it in any way that I can. As always, reach out if you have questions. I'm usually pretty responsive on Instagram. And I really appreciate you being here today and listening. And I'll see you on a future episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and know someone else that would benefit from today's conversation, it would mean so much to me if you share this episode with them or even share it to your social media and tag me so I can personally thank you. As always, I am so grateful you're on this journey with me. And until next time, remember that even when the load feels really heavy, you are never alone.